Welcome to the Bible Foundations program. I'm Jerry Smythe, and I'm just delighted to have you with us again today as we continue our study of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. Folks, this is one of the most exciting stories that there is in the book of Genesis for many reasons. For you see, this is a picture of God unfolding his plan to send the deliverer to you and I. This is a picture of how we can learn to trust God, how we can realize through these real living events, these real interactions between God and Abraham and Isaac that show us that he's a living God, that he's a loving God, and that he's a caring God, and he cares about the very details of our lives. In a very, very difficult test, I'm so thankful that God has not tested you or I with such a thing as he tested Abraham with. For after all of the promises that he'd given concerning his son Isaac that would be born to him in his old age, here we now see God asking him to make Isaac a sacrifice unto him. And God was testing Abraham. And more than that, he was showing the world, yes, you and I, yeah, as well as folk in ages past, that God is reliable and trustworthy and that he delights in communicating and showing his will to his creation. Now, how is it that Abraham had gained a reputation before God, you'll remember, that he could be trusted? Well, let's just be reminded for a moment that God said himself that he could trust him. In chapter 18, in chapter 18, God had said, for I know him that he will command his children and that they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment. And you see, God knew the heart of Abraham. He knew what was going to come out of that home. Folks, he knows what's going to come out of your home too. He knows whether your children will be taught to be obedient to God. He knows whether your life, or may I say your talk, will match your walk and your walk will match your talk. Abraham had a track record with God. See, he believed God even from the very stars that he gazed at at night. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth forth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. You see, Abraham heard the voice of God as he stared into the stars of the desert night. Oh, my God. Friend, have you ever looked off into the stars at night where there were no other lights around? Now it's magnificent here in our part of the hemisphere, but I'm telling you that in the southern hemisphere or out in the deserts where there's no other lights whatsoever, there's only the light of the stars, you begin to get the feeling of the magnificence of our God. They declare his glory, my friend, as nothing else does. But Abraham believed the record too. You see, he was one who could be taught. He was teachable, and God was teaching him. He saw the examples where Cain was not teachable, and all of his descendants perished in the flood. They even influenced those of Seth, uh, of the line of Seth, even through the family of Noah, and they refused to believe God too. But Noah believed God, and God provided a way of escape and kept Noah's family alive because Noah's family was a part of the lineage in God's plan of providing the deliverer. You remember that the deliverer was promised in Eve's presence by God saying that the seed of the woman 
that is only the woman, a virgin woman, would conceive of a child and bear the deliverer as we would see as we will see it later on. Those promises are what Abraham believed. He believed the record that he was to come to God with a sacrifice. And so when this incident comes up, he doesn't waste much time thinking about it. God simply said, go. Now I'm going to show you what to do. You see, Abraham was in a habit of obeying God. Are you in the habit of obeying God? Are you in the habit of taking God at his word and trusting him with all of the things that he reveals to us about the way of life, the parent-child relationship, the husband-wife relationship, the employer-to-employee relationship? What about those things? See, you know, the Bible addresses all of these things. And you see, if we're in the habit of obeying God, as Abraham has given an example of here, you know what's going to happen in our homes? Our children are going to be in the habit of obeying us. And that leads to the example that we are before our children. For if our children see us in the habit of obeying God, guess what they're going to want to do? They're going to want to be in the habit of not only obeying us, but obeying God as well. Obedience, you see, is the result of trust. Abraham was given the command and he, God told him to sacrifice his son. You see, the next morning he's on his way to the place that God would lead him to. Folks, this wasn't the first time to go and sacrifice in such a way, but it was the first time that God had ever required this kind of a sacrifice. So Abraham ponders in his heart, and as he's thinking through the night, and he heads out in the morning with Isaac and their two servants and their donkey loaded with the firewood for the sacrifice, there's unwavering question that God is able to provide what is needed for the situation. Abraham was in the habit in the habit of going where God said and going when God said to go, you see. So now three days later, he sees the place that God wants him to make the sacrifice. He's looking off at Mount Moriah. Now, my friends, there's much to learn about that mount, and it doesn't go away. You see, everything in God's word has significance, and it has further meaning later on. And uh, we're going to discover that, but not right now. You see, that's the neat thing about the word of God. Not only is it historically correct. Not only is it the story of God in his interaction, but it continues to unfold in real live illustrations, just like we're seeing here in this dialogue between God and Abraham and Isaac. You'll remember in verse 5 of chapter 22 that Abraham now turns to his servants and says, the lad and I will go up yonder and worship. That was not too unusual. I'm sure they'd gone to worship many times, and perhaps these same two servants had been a part of the team, leading the donkey along, helping to care for the wood, keeping the fire alive, and all of that sort of thing. Got to remember, they didn't have matches in those days, so they always took their fire with them. But not only does Abraham said, we're going there to worship, but we'll come again to you. Oh, my friend, do you see his unwavering faith in God, confident that if God should allow him to take the life of his only son, that he, God, was able to raise him from the dead again. Now that's confidence, my friend, for that just doesn't happen. But Abraham knew that God was the giver of life. Are you convinced that God is the giver of life? Are you really convinced that it is God who designed you before you were ever born. Listen, that's what the Bible tells us, and the evidence all the way up through now 
is that God has been the giver of life. He's the one who breathed life into Adam and Eve, and they became living beings, living souls, and they were alive unto God with spiritual life until they sinned, and then they were dead to God spiritually. And everybody born outside the garden is born dead to God spiritually, you see? We don't have this spiritual life and the ability to communicate with God in the same way that Adam and Eve did because we were born in sin. Now we see Abraham putting the wood on Isaac. Isaac is to carry the load, so he must have been a fairly good-sized young man in his teens, perhaps his late teens, or maybe even a little more than that. And in obedience, he loads that wood up and starts packing it up, and he sees his father Abraham take the knife in the fire. And Isaac asks the question for the first time. He says, uh, Father, and uh, Abraham answers, Here am I. And I'm sure that Abraham was anticipating this question, but here's, what it, here's the way it goes. And Isaac says, here's the wood in the fire. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham's response was in anticipation, I'm sure. God will provide a lamb. God will provide himself a lamb. You see, this was not something that Abraham was just doing to earn merit with God. This is not something that he was doing to be a good guy before God. He knew that Offering a lamb was an offering to God. It was God's offering in the first place because God had given life to the lamb. And here was the example of a sacrifice being made by the giving of a life to remind us that the payment for sin is death. God will provide himself a lamb, he says. Now they're satisfied. Isaac is satisfied, and so off they go. They get up to the top of Mount Moriah, and Abraham builds the altar. Oh, I reckon that was took a little time with the putting of the stones together for they were to just take the stones that were in the field and build them uh, in such a, a way as they had learned to do. And now Isaac finds that his father is binding him up and he's placed on the altar to be the sacrifice himself. A moment of terror, you say? Well, that would certainly be the natural way, and that would certainly be the way you or I would respond. We'd respond in terror, and we'd buy, we'd uh, fight the binding. We'd find, why, folks, we just wouldn't understand this at all. But there's no record of any rebellion in Isaac here. The evidence is, my friend, he was a willing sacrifice because he trusted his father. He knew not only his father, but he knew his father's God. We don't know the details because it doesn't give us the record. It isn't that critical to us. But perhaps even Abraham had told him that God was the giver of life. And God himself could raise him up even if this thing went on to the extent that, we, that he had thought it would be. But you know, I don't see any wavering in Abraham either. I see now in verse 10 that Abraham lays his son on the altar. He places him as in the place of the sacrifice, and he stretched forth his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. You know, he wasn't looking. There's no evidence that he was looking for a way, of, a way out of this thing. My friend, you and I are looking for a way out of most everything. And we see people that are sentenced to the penalty uh, of death, for crimes committed, murder against other people in our very nation in these hours, we see them continually searching for a way of escape from the judgment. But that's not the apparent attitude of Abraham here, see? He now is walking in obedience just as he, as he was from the morning they left. 
just from the night before when he began to gather the wood and, and uh, warn uh, Isaac and his uh, and their servants uh, to get the animal ready and to gather the wood and place the fire and be ready to leave early in the morning. And so for three days they trek out, you see, because he's in the habit of obedience. He's in the habit of trusting his God and finding his God trustworthy over and over again. And so now he lay, raises his knife over his son, not looking for a way of escape, not looking for something else. Yes, he'd heard God say, or he had said to his son, rather, that God will provide himself a lamb. But that was God's business, you see. His business was to be obedient to God, was to trust God in a seemingly very difficult situation. Now we see the voice of the Lord through the angel calling out in verse 11, calling out to him out of heaven and saying, Abraham, Abraham. And what did he say? Here am I. Oh, my friend, when the Spirit of God speaks to you, what's your response? Do you divert your attention? Or do you say in humble submission, Here am I, Lord. God, you're right about me. God, I'm a sinner just like Abraham was. But I believe in you. I come to you and I believe to you. You see, that's who God wants to speak to, is someone who will believe him. And now God gives his instructions in verse 12. And he says, Lay not thine hand upon the lad. Neither do thou anything done to him. For I know now that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son. You see, if he'd been looking for a diversion, if he'd been looking for something off somewhere as a substitute payment for Isaac, he wouldn't have been true to God. He wouldn't really have believed God. And God looked right into his heart. And again, he says, I know that thou fearest God. I know that by the evidence that you're not seeking another way, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son. Now we see the miracle in chapter uh, 22, verse 13, as Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, uh, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket, caught in the thicket by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Now, isn't that a coincidence? Must have been there all the time, our doubting eyes and ears would say. Our doubting hearts would even further convince us that we reason it away that God didn't really intend for him to do it all the time. But you see, that's not the point. The point is, Abraham believed God. You see, God thought that was so special. God thought that belief in him, simple, blind faith, if you will, in him, in his trustworthiness, could be was worth so much to God the Father that he credited that to, uh, to uh, Abraham's account that was full of sin. It was his, his account before God was like red ink of sin, the blood of sin, my friends. But God now overlays that account with the faith of Abraham. Just by faith he comes to God, and God declares him righteous because of his faith. Oh, my friend, has God declared you righteous 
because of your faith in him? Do you believe him? Do you take him at his word? Do you apply these truths to his life? You see, to your life, these are foundational truths. These are the foundational things that God says we must know and understand in order to come to him, in order to recognize that his character is one of provision. And that's exactly what we see taking place here as we read on in verse 15, uh, 14. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in this mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. No, my friend, it wasn't a coincidence that, that this ram was caught in the thicket there and caught by its horns in the bush. Now it says it was caught in a thicket. No doubt there were thorns and bristles and branches sticking out. But my friend, this ram was not caught in its body. It was caught by the horns. And that's a very significant thing, you see. If it had been caught by any other part of the body, it would have injured itself by struggling to get free. If it had in, in, been injured, it would not have been an acceptable sacrifice to God. It wouldn't have been an acceptable offering to God at all. You see, God would only accept a healthy, strong animal as a sacrifice because God is perfect. This is an example of a perfect sacrifice. And God expected a perfect sacrifice because he is perfect and he will only accept whatever is perfect. You see, God provided an acceptable sacrifice in place of Isaac. God provided that perfect, acceptable sacrifice in the place of Isaac because God is faithful and he never changes. He's faithful, my friend. He kept his promise to Abraham. God had promised that through Isaac, God would give Abraham how many descendants? Many descendants. Nations would come off of this. You see, it would come out of him. And uh, or a particularly a particular nation that would focus our attention on God, even to this day. But you see, he promised him that he would have many descendants. And Abraham took Isaac off the altar, and then he put the ram which God had provided on the altar so it could be killed instead of Isaac. That's a very important thing for us to remember. It's critical that we remember that Abraham killed the ram and burned it as an offering to God and that the ram died instead of Isaac. The ram was a substitute for Isaac. You see, God saved Isaac by providing a ram to die in his place. God saved Isaac by providing a perfect substitute to die in his place. And oh, my friend, that's something that we'll be referring to as we continue to lay our Bible foundations, our foundations of truth from the Old Testament so that we can know the character of God, so that we can know by his character that he's absolutely reliable and that we then can respond to him in faith because man must have faith in order to please God and be saved from his sin, you see. Now let's read on again as we look at Genesis chapter 22, verses 14 through 19. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. You see, that means God the provider. God the provider. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Verse 15. 
And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand that is on which is on the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. O oh, my friend, there is great peace in obedience to the Lord. There's great peace in marching ahead in what God gives a person to do, even when you don't understand the events or the destination or the circumstances surrounding it all. God is now demonstrating and giving his word again to Abraham, who believes him, who trusts him. And he says that messianic promise again, that in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they arose, they, he caught that, all four of them, arose and went to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. So we see that Abraham called the place where God provided the ram, the Lord will provide. You see, God had provided a ram to die instead of Isaac. A substitution was, was provided. Abraham believed that God would also provide the deliverer to rescue mankind from the power of Satan and from the punishment of sin. That was the root of his belief, see? And that came passed down to him through all the way from Adam and Eve, as God had promised in Adam's presence that there would be a seed that would crush the serpent's head, but that the uh, her seed would be bruised through that. Nevertheless, her seed would crush the serpent's head. As we look back over this great account of Scripture, we realize why it was that God was able to give Abraham and Sarah a son, even though they were a hundred years old, he was a hundred and she was ninety. You see, because God gives life to people everywhere. God has chosen you to live, my friend, and he's chosen you to live forever if you'll respond to his gift of life properly. What is proper? Well, coming to God God's way. And let's move on to see how God further develops our understanding of what his way is. But my friend, recognize that God is an omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He can do anything he wants to do. And here is what he did. He gave them a son in their old age. We're reminded for a moment that Abraham and Isaac had taken things into their own hand concerning God's promise to them for an heir. And Sarah had offered her uh, handmaid, Hagar, to Abraham, and she had a baby for, uh, to Abraham. And then she despised Sarah, her mistress. And God had to deal with that sort of thing, too. And we see that Abraham and, and uh, Sarah wavered in their faith. Why did they waver in their faith? Because, my friend, they're sinners. They're sinners, but did they stay that way? No, they bowed their heads in submission to God, confessed their sin. And even though there was a consequence to sin where it, that affects the world to this day, because of their taking things into their own hand, God still kept his promise and gave them the son that was to be the ancestor or the uh, through whom the deliverer was to come, you see. 
Now, God exercises his authority as he asks Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And the reason that God had that authority to ask such a thing, such a thing as you and I find a hard uh, to even comprehend, you see, God is the creator of all things, and therefore he's the owner of all things. God had given life to Isaac, and he could do it again. According to Abraham's understanding of God, he believed that if he gave his son here as a sacrifice, that God was able to raise him from the dead because he, God was the giver of life. I don't think Abraham had thought much about God having changed his mind about Isaac being the father of a great nation and the forefather of the deliverer. No, you see, Abraham believed and trusted God because he was convinced that God always keeps his promises. Abraham had thought that even if he killed his son, as God commanded him, that God would raise him up from the dead. It's important for us to recognize that once Abraham bound Isaac and put him on the altar, there was no way that Isaac could deliver himself from death. You see, Isaac could not deliver himself from death in any way. He was bound and he was to be the sacrifice there, see? This is a marvelous example of the fact that there is no way that any person can save himself from the, from the payment of death and everlasting punishment which he deserves for his sin. Every one of us deserve the penalty of death. And that's what God says rests upon us. It rests upon you and it rests upon I, my, on myself, my friend. It, it rests upon every person. No one can save himself from the punishment of God. There is no escape from God. Who was it that spoke to Abraham and saved Isaac from death? It was God. God intervened in here, you see. It was the same intervention that God had when God rejected the fig leaf clothing of Adam and Eve. He said, no, this is not my way. You're not acceptable. You can't provide for yourself. And God provided the skins of animals for their clothing as an expression of his gra grace, you see, of giving them what they needed, not what they deserved. And that's what he does right here in this situation. God was able to save Isaac from death, and God did it. He did it by providing a substitute lamb. There was no one else who could provide for them either. You remember that the only possibilities were those who were around, and not, not even the servants of Abraham and Isaac could provide a, a way of escape for Isaac. For Isaac was on the altar, you see, and this is what God wanted to demonstrate to you and I, is that only he could provide a sacrifice that would take Isaac's place. And while that substitute sacrifice was held in the bush by God himself, he had him caught there, you see, and that ram, ram was held in the bush by its horn. Because, you see, God is perfect. And he could only accept an offering that was strong and healthy and perfect itself, you see. That's the picture of God providing a perfect sacrifice, demanding perfection because he is perfect. You see, that's one of the reasons that you and I can't offer ourselves as a sacrifice to God. That's why we can't satisfy his holiness, because you and I, my friend, are sinners. We're not perfect. It doesn't take too much recognizing to see how imperfect we are if we're real about ourselves before God. And oh, the significance of the name that Abraham gives to this place. 
He calls it Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord will provide. What did he mean? Why was that a continuing name even to this day? Because Abraham believed just as the Lord provided the ram instead of Isaac, that the Lord would one day provide the deliverer who would overcome Satan and deliver mankind from Satan's power and from everlasting punishment. Oh, my friend, I need a deliverer, don't you? Oh, oh my friend, it's a thrill to look into God's word and see how he faithfully keeps his word, how over the centuries he has demonstrated himself to mankind and kept building his promise in our understanding to provide that deliverer, to meet our needs, that one day we would have one uh, that would free us from the power of Satan and the lies of Satan and free us to worship God as we are due to worship him and give him the praise that's due his name and to give him the honor and glory that's due his name. Oh, my friend, do you see throughout the centuries that God has demonstrated himself to real live people? And that's what we see happening now as we see the father of many nations uh, taking the leadership of his family. We see now that Isaac uh, is the father of two sons. And we see that that's not without trouble, my friend, for we see that they too are born outside of the garden. They too are born with an instinct to sin. And we see that God even demonstrates his word again through them as he continues to show us how the deliverer would be brought to us through their lineage. And so we just encourage you to continue to stand with us as we study these Bible foundations, and see our faith built in a living God, because my friend, he is the provider of all of our needs. As we trust him, even for our life and breath, he's the provider of our salvation from the power of sin as well. Thank you for joining me on Bible Foundations. Until next time, we appreciate your being with us. Ask someone else to join in, will you?